Hey, this is Pastor Matt McClure here from Takeover Church, and thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope it encourages you, we pray it blesses you, we pray it challenges you. And if you don't know, we have service every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m. And we would love for you and yours, your family and your friends to come on out, experience church, be a part of all that God is doing through Takeover Church. But hey, we hope this blesses you. Have a great rest of your day. This morning, the title of my message, I was holding it too far up. They were yelling at me because the podcast is back. So, title of the message is, where my note takers at? Show of hands, awesome. Title of the message this morning for Into the Wild, week two is Giants in the Wild. Giants in the Wild. Anybody got their Bibles on them this morning? Anybody got a leatherback? Who's got a leatherback? Who's got, okay, who's got a digital Bible? 2019, a few of them? All right, wave in the air like you just do care, that's good. Fantastic. All right, we are coming out of 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 49. It's going to be on the Sky Bible too, back here from Ms. Nat in the booth. Come on. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, cut off your head, and I will give you the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and with spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. 48. When the Philistines arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, slung it, and it stuck that Philistine straight in the forehead. And the stone sank deep into his face, and he fell on his face to the ground. Awesome. Y'all mind if we pray? That was a little graphic. Woo! All right. Thank you, Bible. Jesus, we just thank you so much for this morning. Father God, we thank you. That you are the Lord of Lords, that you are the King of Kings, that you are the brother that sticks closer than a friend, God. We just thank you this morning for what you're about to do in and through your word. And we ask that you would remind us, Holy Spirit, come right now and remind us of your lordship, remind us of your kingship, remind us of your proper place in our life, God. We just thank you for who you are and what you are to your people, what you're doing in this earth to bring yourself glory. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said. Amen. Come on. Giants in the wild. Now, we're, we're a pretty honest church, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know. We're not here to throw stones, no pun intended, at other churches or other uh, ways of following Jesus and things. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there who like to fake it till you make it. We're not that kind of church. We're a pretty honest church. We're pretty upfront about what we're going through, what we're facing down, the struggles that we're going to. So by a show of hands this morning, who would say that you in your life following Jesus, you out in the wild, some of you have come up against, by a show of hands, put them up, some ugly, mean-mugging, troll, stinky-looking giants in your day. You have come up with some battles. You have come up just feeling like, man, I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. Is there anybody honest in the house of God? Come on, look around. You are not alone this morning. There are giants in the wild. And a lot of us, we have come through a lot of life so far. We have gone through some things that should have left us dead. We've gone through some things that should have been defeated us already. We've gone through some things, some married people in here that should have ended your marriage already. But you're not. 
you're here and you're standing and you're worshiping and you're lifting up the word of God all over your life and you are seeing victory, amen? So it's kind of funny about the giants in the wild. There's a couple things that I've learned about facing giants. Most of the time, the giants in our lives, they're not really caused by our actions, right? We know that you, re you reap what you sow, and so there's some actions and some inactions that we can have in our lives that end up having negative consequences. Anybody ever had negative consequences? I've got a million of them. Uh, it's bad. Pray for me. You have some negative consequences because of actions or inactions that you've taken, but there's giants, these large battles. They just seem to find us, don't they? There are just some times in life where we are following Jesus, we're saving, we're building, we're loving people, we're evangelizing, we're going to work, we're honoring our bosses, and we're doing these things. We're staying faithful in our marriage, we're keeping God at the center of what we do, and we seem like we're on the right track, and all of a sudden, there is a giant in our path. There is something that is happening in our lives that we did not ask for, that we could not have asked for, that we would never welcome into our home, that we would never welcome into our lives, but suddenly something happens and it kind of seems like we didn't choose it, it chose us. Right. Has anybody ever been there before? Yeah, and so the crazy thing about these giants that I've found is that there's two things. One, the giants in life that choose us. You ever notice how they're uniquely designed for our weaknesses? That they're uniquely strong for our strengths? Like those things that come up in life that we just can't seem to comprehend. They just hit us right in our weak spot, right in our soft spot, right in the areas where we don't really have a whole lot of faith, where we've never had to trek before. Things that were so unexpected that it was a left hook from Mike Tyson that we didn't see coming. No Mike Tyson? It's okay. He hit me in the face. He hit me in the face. All right, sorry. But there's some things in our lives that seem like they are uniquely curated. To take us down. But much the opposite of that. The giants and the battles in this life that choose us, that are uniquely designed to see us fail, to see us lose, to see us bottoms up with zero faith left and quitting on God. Those kind of giants in our lives. We are also the only ones who can take it down. Like it is uniquely designed to our weaknesses and our strengths, which means that we are the only ones that we can decide the outcome. They are curated to us. But likewise, we are curated for the giants. Amen. And so the funny thing about giants in the wild that I found is we don't really like facing these things. If we're the only ones that can beat this thing, if this thing that comes to our home, comes for our family, leaves our people devastated, gets us full of fear and worry and anxiety, whatever it is that comes to plague our lives, mental illness, cancer, unexpected death, debt, something happens, unexpected loss, some great tragedy takes place in our lives. All of a sudden, we come down with something that if the odds are stacked against us, it is not in our favor. There are some very real things going on. We're having some suicidal thoughts. Our husband has stepped out on us. Whatever the giant presents itself to be, we live in a day and an age and a culture where we would rather have somebody else take care of this for us, don't we? All of a sudden, the giant comes and we're like, I am not equipped for this. Can you take care of this? Can you handle this for me? 
Is there something that you could do to fix this for me? And I think what the church needs to learn today, I think it's a larger issue. I think the world at large needs to understand this. But what I think the church needs to get today is that there are some giants in our lives that other people cannot slay for you. There's giants in your life, church, that your pastors can't kill for you. Be nice if I could. I would gladly do it if I could. There are some giants in your life that your spouse cannot kill for you. There are some battles that you will face in this world. Here we go, America. That the government cannot fix for you, cannot kill for you. There are some things that we are going to face. There are some giants in this world that we are going to come up across. And the giant is going to be there as a distraction. It's going to get you to look to the right. It's going to get you to look to the left. It's going to get you to take your eyes off Jesus. And it's going to try and convince you that the ways of the world, that the culture around you, that the place that you live in is going to cure what you have going on. The giant of culture, you're not even going to be attempted to try and slay because at, when it comes into your lane and it comes into your world and it tries to convince you that culture has the answers or this has the answers for you, it's going to take your focus off Christ and it's going to place it on culture. There are some giants in this world, ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, that only you are uniquely designed. God has given this giant to you as an assignment. You are the only one qualified to take it down. And that's a harsh, real realization that we have to get underneath us today. We have to leave here today with a revelation that if a giant comes in your path, that is an assignment from God. He may not have brought it. He may not have ordained it. He may not have caused the disease or caused the divorce or caused those things. His heart is never for that. We serve a life-giving God. But if a giant comes in your path, your assignment from God is to slay that giant down. Come on, church. So a little bit of context with this verse that we just read. If you're not familiar with David, David is awesome. David is great. He's in a lot of the Old Testament. He was this runt of the litter. He has a dad named Jesse. We'll talk about him for a brief second, but he has a dad named Jesse, and David is the runt of the litter. He's got these brothers who are bigger, who are more jacked, that are built like Scott Fletcher, that are just huge, brooding dudes, okay? And it was decided that the next king, after King Solomon, sorry, my, my necklace keeps hitting the microphone. It's annoying. But it was decided that the next king after Solomon, Saul, my bad, thanks, Mom, <laughs> happens, after King Saul would be from the line of David. And so all of these boys, they all line up and they come and they're like, yeah, this one's big, but it's not him. This one's thicker, but it's not him. This one's got a good beard, but it's not him. This one's got big feet, but it's not him. This guy's flat-footed, it's sure not him. And they asked Jesse, they're like, Jesse, do you have any other sons? And all of a sudden he goes, yeah, I got this one, but he, he's out in the field right now with some shorts on with a tank top, playing a harp, chill with some sheep. He's like four foot nine on a good day, soaking wet, holding the brick. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, go and get him. We'll check him out. And so he goes and he gets David and 
All of a sudden, sure enough, four foot nothing, 100 pounds soaking wet holding a brick. David, little dude, long hair, out there just getting undignified before the Lord, playing his harp, getting it on in the field. David is now prophesied to be the next king after Saul. So this is David. David also would be known as a man after God's own heart. The thing that we don't want to talk about with David is that his story is littered with failures. From a young age, he was prophesied to be the next king. God has called him a man after God's own heart. The only other time in scripture that we see something like this happen is when Jesus is baptized and he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The only other time. And so here's David, whose history is littered with cheating, with adultery, Given the context, this might be hard to hear, but you could even say, and you would be right in doing so, that David at some other point in his life had actually committed rape. And yet this is a man who through all of his failures, all of his doubts, all of his tragedies, all of his running, and all of his faithfulness had kept his heart Towards God. He may have been making the wrong decisions in life. But every time he would repent and he would come back and he would find his way, he would get back to that place with God. Because God's looking for faithfulness. And I know that's hard to hear. I know that's hard to hear. We just got really real about David's history. And the reason I am is this. It's because for a lot of us, when it comes to talking about slaying giants, it comes to talking about beating cancer, it comes to talking about seeing marriages restored after adultery has been committed, after we see uh, a world need to be redeemed when it is at the most deplorable place it's ever been in, when we talk about these hard things that God actually wants to accomplish through his church, we have to understand that you cannot disqualify yourself. If David can slay Goliath, you can slay your giants. Amen? Amen. Oh, no, I'm just, I just don't have that much faith. I'm just not that well put together. I just don't come from that kind of upbringing. I wasn't raised in the church. I don't have that kind of faith. I've never seen somebody be healed like that before. I don't have this and I don't have that. When it comes to slaying giants, it's a tall order. And when it's a tall order, we start to disqualify ourselves. No, 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 I drink too much. I could never serve at church. Oh, I got too many of this stuff going on. I got too much of this. I've slept with too many people to have a godly husband. God could never give me this because I've done this too much wrong. When it comes to faithfulness and it comes to following God and it comes to what he's called you to do into the wild, there's a million reasons to disqualify us. But here's David, a man after God's own heart who has committed far more ridiculous sins than you and I ever have and probably ever will. And yet God says, this is a man after my own heart. If he can slay Goliath, you can slay your giants. But something unique happens in the scripture. Here's the story where David is sent to the battlefield. Here's the deal with David in this moment. David isn't a knight. 
David isn't a soldier. David's not even a water boy, okay? He's not even on the, like, on the field, like, cheering him on, bringing him water. That's not even what he is. At this moment in time, moments before this takes place, David is in a field. He's in a field. He's got his long hair. He's in a tank top. He's out there doing his thing, hanging out with sheep. And Daddy comes out, and Jesse goes, hey, boy. Hey, can you, uh, can you bring this Jimmy Johns to your brothers out there? David was Grubhub, okay? He was delivery boy. Hey, there's a battle going on. It's getting pretty crazy. Need to go feed your brothers. It's time for lunch. And David's like, sure, Dad. I can do that. Right? He's got a high-pitched voice. He gets out. I'm just, I'm just painting a picture, okay? Here's David. He ain't, he ain't buff King David yet. He is a little guy, okay? He's doing his thing. I know, you see the statues of David all over the place. There's history, and he's like looking chiseled, and he's awesome, and everything. That's a lie, okay? He was small, he was a runt, he was tiny. That was his brother. They got it wrong, okay? They were looking at the other ones. I mean, they're chiseling these things out. And so here's David, and he goes out there to the battlefield, and his assignment at the time was to bring lunch, was to bring food to his brothers. And the funny thing about assignments in the wild is that often, You'll complete an assignment, and you think, like, there it is. I'm done. Done with that. I can put this behind me. But usually when you complete one assignment for God, don't be surprised when he brings you another one. We're always like, no, 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 I accomplished it. I would like a break. I want an off-season. I want to chill. Give me a Sabbath from my assignments. Like, I just need to relax, okay? It's time for a vacay. And God's like, no, 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 no. I got more for you to do. You accomplished one task. Here it is. And so David, he rolls up. And he brings his brother successfully lunch. His assignment is complete and something amazing happens. When you are faithful to God out in the wild, when you go into the areas that he calls you to go into, don't be caught off guard and don't be surprised when he brings you another assignment. Don't be surprised when God rewards your faithfulness by asking you for more faithfulness, okay? He rolls up. Everybody is scared. Everybody is in terror. There is a big, bad Jackson of a man right there, and he is just standing there calling out to this army, like, bring it on, okay? And they're like this. Far out. <laughs> that dude's massive. Y'all didn't tell me LeBron James was going to be here, okay? They got Andre the Giant over there. You didn't tell me. Like, I signed up to fight mortal men, 5'9", doing our thing, okay? I thought we were going to be taking on some Tom Cruises over there, 5'7". That dude is 6'9", from a distance. He's huge. And everyone's scared. And everyone's worried. But here's little lunch boy David, and he goes up, and he's like this. This is funny. David is, okay, little, little PG-13 for it. He goes, hey, hey, I'll take this. Say, who's that uncircumcised Philistine? Junk hanging out. Who defies God? <laughs> and we're like, David, why you got to go there? Like, you don't got to bring that up. Like, we know it's awkward. It's just there. We're all kind of freaked out. It's weird. I don't know. It's an intimidation factor, and he's winning. We're scared, okay? We're scared for a lot of reasons. Moving on. Sorry. Circumcision joke? Not good? Got it. Good. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Had to shoot for it. Come on. Anytime you can. It's hilarious. And David, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the God of Israel? Who is this loud mouth, tall man over there who's asking for it? And they say, that's Goliath. 
Goliath is huge. Goliath is terrifying. When you come up against giants in the wild, they're going to be unsuspected. They're going to be crazy. They're going to be scary. You're going to be thinking you were doing everything right. You just completed an assignment for God. You were being faithful. You were honoring your people. You were honoring your brothers by bringing them lunch. You were doing all of these things. And all of a sudden, a battle presents itself that is uniquely qualified to take you out. David was short. David was small. David was disqualified by all earthly means from the get-go, from birth. David was disqualified from this fight because from birth, Goliath was massive. He was huge. He was daunting. He was scary. And here David is. And while everyone else is terrified, while everyone else is worried, and everyone else is looking for somebody else to handle this battle, can we get out of here? Can we still cut and run? Is he too close that if we took off right now, could we just evade this whole thing? Could you do it? Do you feel like you could take him on? No, I don't feel like I Could you do it? I don't feel like I can. Pastor, could you do this? Church member, could you do this for me? And while everyone is terrified and they're scared and they're looking at this giant, David, a man of God, small, ill-equipped, but full of faith, says, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because at that moment, David knew in the inside of him, when that giant presented itself before him, he was the only one qualified to take it down. But here's something interesting in the Bible right here. Y'all ready for this? He says this, verse 45, And David says to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I come to you in the name of the Lord. Funny thing about this. A lot of Christians, they go to churches, they complain, and they say, we want to go deeper. Let's go deeper in the things of God. Let's go deeper into the things of God. I want to do this and I want to do that. Deeper is when you prayerfully consider what God is saying to you via his word. I think if a lot of Christians began to prayerfully read over this text that I just read, you would see what I ended up seeing this week, which absolutely blew my mind. He says this, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Can I just tell you this morning? Some of us need to hear this more than anything. This is a word that we need to have tattooed on the inside of us this morning. The identity that you go into battle with will determine your outcome. The identity that you enter into battle with will determine the outcome. What you go up against your giant in, the name that you go forward in, the name that you proceed in will determine your outcome. A lot of Christians today. We go up against giants and we come to the battlefield. Things happen in our lives and we are not coming in the name of the Lord. Here's David, okay? Four foot nothing, disqualified from the get-go, shouldn't even be on the battlefield, not qualified to be king, all of these things. He is a shepherd's field hand at this point in time. He is good for sheep, for she for sheep and herding and corralling. That's what he's good for. 
close. It's a close call. That's what he's good for. And while David's brothers, who were first looked at to be king, who were bigger, who were thicker, who have military training, who have gone through boot camp, who are armored up, who have a sword, who know how to use it, who are qualified to be on the battlefield that day. His brothers are terrified. His brothers are scared. His brothers showed up to battle in the name of Jesse, but David showed up to battle in the name of the Lord. His brothers rolled up. We are the sons of Jesse. We are here. We are big. We are massive. And we are ready to take this on. And then when an unexpected enemy comes who seems too big for them to handle, they are scared because the identity that they're walking in is a lesser name than what David is walking in. David on the outside doesn't look like he's worthy to fight. That David could just flick with his finger and kill him in one shot. But he says, I come. You have man-made tools. You have a man-made image. You have a man-made identity. You come in with an army. You're coming underneath the name of a country. You're coming underneath the name of a people. And you come at me with sword and with javelin and with spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. The identity that you go into battle with will determine the outcome of the battle. So many of us, we go into battles and we start looking to the left and we look to the right. We're not looking to the word. We're not looking to the sky. We're not looking to Jesus. We're not saying this is what God says about me. This is what God says his name will do. He says every other name is under the name of Jesus. I need to come at cancer in the name of the Lord. And I'm going to look to the left. I'm going to look to the right. Oh, man, we're just, we're going through it. And he stepped out on me, and I have no more self-worth. And, and my friends, they've been through divorce, and they gave me this divorce attorney. And so suddenly you're going into battle for your marriage in the name of what your friends who have already been divorced are telling you and encouraging you, and they're giving you the name of their lawyer who's cheap and will do right by you, and you will get all the alimony you need. But when you go to battle for your marriage in the name of the Lord, it is always restoration. It is always victory. Amen? So many of us, we're going to battle through a lesser name. But God is saying to us this morning, the identity that you choose to walk in. The reason a lot of Christians don't overcome in this life is because they're walking in an identity that God never called them to. That God never said about them. Oh, I'm just this. No, I'm just, I'm just me and I come from this kind of home and my parents had this kind of marriage. How can I ever have a godly marriage I was raised in, as a product of alcoholism and drug abuse. How am I ever going to adult? I can't even handle this. I'm a second generation mental health patient. I'm going through it. My mom's in counseling and I'm in counseling and I'm just not equipped for this life. And we affirm mental health here, okay? We believe it's a real thing. We believe in doctors and we believe in medicine and we believe that Jesus begins and he ends. And in between there is great things that he does through the medical field, okay? Don't hear anything different than that this morning. 
but understand there are things about the human since the fall of God that can only be redeemed. It can be fall of man, sorry, not the fall of God, can only be redeemed, it can only be corrected through the blood of Jesus, through the finished work on the cross, through the name of God. There are things in this life that you will battle, that you will come up against, that you will only find victory in it. You will only overcome it when you go at it through the name of God. Is this working for anybody this morning? This next piece of scripture says this. 47. That all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. That all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and not with spear. And I love this. I love this part. Because David is putting this whole entire army on notice. He's putting his men, his brothers on notice. He's there in this moment, and he says, the Lord doesn't save by sword and by spear, but the battle belongs to the Lord. If you're not familiar with David's journey, David had some pretty crazy times in the field. David had some pretty crazy times in the field, and he shows up to this moment. And the Bible says that they begin to fit him in an armor that they had. They begin to put him in an armor that he was made to wear. And this armor that was fitted for David for the one day that he would be king, for the time that he would be there, this armor, it was not made for David. It was something they had. This armor was not fitted for him. It was not designed for four foot nine boy in mind. It was not designed for him to do battle in. And so David looks at it. I can't wear this. This thing's huge and it's heavy. It doesn't fit me in the right places. I can't move in this armor. If the armor wasn't designed for you, then it certainly can't protect you. And a lot of us today, we are like David attempting to go into a battle in an armor that was not made for him because we're walking in an identity that God never called us to. He's never called you to be the product of alcoholism. He brought you out of that. You are now a son and you are now a daughter. He never calls you into a lifestyle of anorexia because that's what you saw your mother go through all of her life. No, no, no. He calls you out of that identity, out of that family, into a new kin, into a new blood, into a new family. And he called you a son, and he called you a daughter. So often we're trying to do battle in armor that doesn't fit us. We're trying to walk in an identity that will not serve us. And if it was not made for us, it certainly can't protect us. If the identity that we walk in determines the outcome, then the identity that we walk in can either protect us or it can hold us back. It can either lead us to a better victory or it will hinder us in the battlefield. What are some things that you are walking in right now that God says is less than a son or a daughter? What's some identities that you're speaking over yourself? When you're going through those hard times, how many of you know when you go through hard times, when you come up against a giant, 
you start listing off all of the reasons you're not equipped for this, that you're not going to make it through, that you don't have what it takes to overcome this. We all start going through it. We're all human. I do this to myself all the time. Listen off reasons why God wouldn't want to use somebody like me. Listen off reasons why Adrian shouldn't be married to me. So listen off reasons why all of my friends should probably just give up because I'm just not getting it. When it gets dark and it gets grim and the giant is standing over top of you, the identity that you are going to go forth in will determine the outcome of that battle. You can, ever, you, can, you can only have victory if you go in the name of the Lord, or you can have failure, and you can have disgrace, and you can have shame, and you can have certain death when you walk into those battles in a lesser name. Amen? And so in this moment in Scripture, he says, the Lord doesn't save through sword and javelin, but the battle belongs to the Lord. I would like to submit to you this morning that the, that the Lord doesn't save through sword and shield and javelin in these man-made ways. The Lord doesn't save in these ideas that we have. When we come up against these battles, so many of us, we're like, God, just do a new thing. Just do a new thing. Just come in a new way. I need you to show up like you never have before. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. If you don't show up like you have before, I need more of you in this season. I need a greater portion in this season. God, just do something new in my life. And those are good prayers. Those are good promises. Those are good things. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying that you shouldn't stand on them. But when David says the Lord doesn't save via shield or javelin, I want to tell you this morning, the Lord doesn't save by doing a new thing. He saves by using a developed thing. Your greatest victories are already on the inside of you because God has been developing something in you. See, David, he's out in the field before this. He does his thing. And before he has this mighty moment on the battlefield where he takes down giant and he slings that rock right in his forehead and sinks him to the floor. Before that happens, David is seen. He's out in the field. He's frolicking. He's doing his thing. He's being faithful to what his father has told him to watch over. And suddenly one day, like many of us, it wasn't necessarily a giant right away. But it was a bear. And this bear came to steal one of David's sheep. And David, in this moment, having to act, having to protect what he has been called to do at this moment, having to protect in this season what his role was, having to be faithful in what he was made to do right now. He is a shepherd's field hand. That's his assignment. He's called to act in this moment. And so he looks down in his fanny pack. It's always been fashionable. He looks down in his fanny pack and he has a bandana and he finds some stones. And the Bible calls them smooth stones. 
when he kills Goliath, he says, the Bible says that he found five, he pulled out of his knapsack five smooth stones. Smooth is important because smooth speaks to development. Smooth speaks to use. Smooth speaks to familiarity. That these aren't just five stones that he happened to find on his way to bring his brother's lunch. These are five trusted stones with his lucky bandana that he has been using for a while. Because when this bear comes, he doesn't have a shield. He doesn't have a stick. He doesn't have a sword, but what he does have is what was already given to him. And he takes his sling, and he takes his rock, and he takes a few swings at this thing, and eventually he gets the bear to go away. That's a pretty awesome victory, right? He had the smaller object that came in his path. He had the smaller battle that presented itself to him. And he got it to go away. He fended it off and he protected what was his. And you would probably be celebrating. You would probably be really elated. But then what happens next is sometime later the Bible tells us that a lion came along. A lion's a little bit bigger than the bear because the lion's idea isn't just to snag one of the sheep. It's to destroy and kill all of his sheep. And the lion enters in and David goes, well, I've done this before. And he gets the sack, and he gets the stones, and he gets the bandana, and he readies it up. He's familiar with it, and he slings, and he kills the lion. He kills the lion. He gets rid of the bear. He kills the lion, and he saves his sheep once again. So when David rolls up, and a giant presents itself, and he comes in the name of the Lord, he doesn't need a sword. And he doesn't need a shield. And he doesn't need some man-made given identity or device. All he needs is what God had already started on the inside of him. What God had already begun in the field that day. What God started with the bear will bring down the giant. Amen? So much of this life, we want new victory. We want a new thing. We want new ways. But God's saying, no, 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 no. I have been developing this in you. Your victory, it's already in the inside of you. Remember when you went through this? Remember when the car went out and the job lost and the girl broke up with you? And you overcame. Remember when sickness came to your home and it was incurable and you were sent home with hospice? And look what happened. Look what we did. Look what the Lord finished. Look what he brought to fruition in your life. So many of us. We're looking for God to do something new. And he is saying, I've already started it. This battle, this giant, you already have what it takes on the inside of you. Because look what I brought you through. If it worked with the bear, it'll work with the giant. If it worked with the lion, it'll work with Goliath. The Lord doesn't save through sword and shield and javelin. He saves through what he's developed on the inside of you. When you came home to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you became, like we sang earlier, a citizen of heaven. When you came home, God started something on the inside of you. You came alive to be an overcomer. 
You came alive to be someone who is able to do battle and who is able to get through it because the battles are going to come and the giants are going to present themselves and you are here to bring glory to God through those things. He has started something on the inside of you and he's been developing it in you and you can overcome in this life. Watch what happens when you just decide and you submit yourself. You submit yourself to saying, no, 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 no. I got these tools and this is useful and my doctor is wise and he's saying this. And Yeah, my friends have been through divorce, but I don't want a marriage like theirs either, all four of them. I don't want none of those marriages. I want what the word of God says that I can have. I want the healing that Jesus says that he was crushed for, that he was broken for, that he was bruised for. I want to see signs and wonders and miracles that follow the disciples and the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. I'm not going to give in to a lesser world. I'm not going to cave to culture and say that, yeah, the gifts of the Spirit died with the last apostles. No, no, no. My Bible says this is for today. This is for the sons, and I'm going to fight till I see it. I'm going to see the miracle of God in the land of the living. Amen? Amen. And I want to encourage you today. I know this was a bit of a different message today, but I want to encourage you today that there are giants in the wild, and God is faithful to you. He has put it on the inside of you. Through Jesus Christ on the cross, it is finished, and you can overcome this morning. Amen? Amen. Worship team, you can make your way back up here. God is good, isn't he? Come on. Through something developed. This morning as we get ready to close, when we sing this last song and we get ready for what the week has for us, this is what I want us to have in our minds and in our spirits and on our tongues this morning. I want us to think about the battles that we've already gone through. If the enemy had it his way, like the bear came to steal and the lion came to kill and Goliath came to destroy everything that David knew and everything that David had, the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, John 10.10. But know that when he should have killed you, and he should have stolen from you. And he should have been destroyed. But you overcame. And God kept you planted. And you were able to see the miracles of God in the land of the living. I want to encourage you this morning. He's going to do it again. And you're going to overcome again. He's developed something on the inside of you. You're doing better than you think you are. You have more than you think you have. You can do more than you think you can do because there is a God on the inside of you through the Holy Spirit who says, greater works will you do than even Jesus. And I believe giants will fall when Christians decide to believe that. When you decide to believe that your marriages can be restored, 
your character could be restored. You can see God move in mighty ways in your workplace. You can see your kids come home to know Jesus. I believe giants will fall when you begin to walk in the name of the Lord. Amen? Would you guys stand up? We're going to get ready to worship. Father God, I just thank you for every single person in this house this morning. I thank you for what you're doing through your sons and your daughters in this moment right now, Father God. Whatever they're facing down in the wild, whatever unexpected tragedy or unexpected battle has come up against them or what will come against them in the future, God. We ask that right now we would just submit this on the inside of us, Jesus. That we're not going to do battle the way the world does battle. That we're not going to fight against flesh and blood because our battle is not against flesh and blood. But God, we're going to war in the spirit and we're going to come through the name of Jesus. And God, we're truly going to see, we're truly going to see the miraculous happen. We're going to see the lost come home. We're going to see the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. We're going to see them renewed, God. We're going to find fresh purpose in the seasons, God. When we finish an assignment and a giant comes our way, God, we're going to find you in the middle of it. <coughs> Father God, this morning I just thank you for a room full of Christians who have decided today that they're not going to run and they're not going to cower, they're not going to fear. They're not going to walk in a lesser name or a lesser identity because of who they come from or what they've experienced or the wrong decisions that they think disqualifies them. God, we say what disqualifies us, you see a testimony for us, God. So we thank you this morning for a church that's willing to be used. A church that's going to rise up, God, and we're going to bring those giants down, and we're going to see victory here and now, and we're going to give you all the glory in it. In Jesus' name, a faithful church said, amen. Would you guys worship with us? <laughs> 